this custom Starbucks drink in my hand and let me tell you it's really truly doing a number on me is it really that's awesome yeah what, what is it let me put you on it's my sister's uh it's my sister's order that she's like she's not gonna lie this this is like my second eldest sister she's kind of a Karen so when she <laughs> cooked up this uh concoction concoction I was like, damn, you're really making the poor barista do all this. But she was like, no, you have to try it. Okay. Guys, get out a pen and paper. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. It's okay. a nice cafe latte with oat milk, four pumps of vanilla, and vanilla sweet cream cold foam. It's a whole lot of words, sweet cream cold foam. It's literally whipped cream, but they're crazy for that. But you get this in uh, it's a grande but you get it in a venti cup that way there's more uh cold foam action or whatever but it's really good it's so good okay so let me get this straight <laughs> you say all of that to the barista and she understands yeah okay. it's like really annoying i mean I, honestly i like it when it's a when it's a drive-through so i don't have to confront the barista with with shame you know in humility that <laughs> my order is this expensive because it's kind of just like yeah but i mean it's not it's just like yeah can i get an iced cafe latte with oat milk and four pumps of vanilla and vanilla sweet cream cold foam oh wow it really rolls off the tongue for you doesn't i it? wrote it down so i can take it as you can <laughs> see i can take it next time and show the barista please I haven't been to Starbucks in a long time, Ugh. but now I have a reason to go. Now you have a reason to go. You should try it. Everybody should try it. I mean, it's really good. It tastes It tastes like, uh, you know the Briar's Vanilla Ice Cream? It tastes like that, but melted. Um. I love when stuff just tastes like ice cream. Like, you know what else tastes like ice cream? The what? Shake Shack Chocolate Milkshake is literally just melted chocolate ice cream. Really? I must try it, but I believe my stomach will not forgive me for that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> your stomach wants war. That's so crazy that that many people are lactose intolerant in my life. Like it's really, really an obstruction to like joy and self actualization. Like, yeah, I it's agree. arguably worse than being vegan. Yeah, and it's like you don't choose it; it just falls upon your lap. You know, one day you realize. I have a theory, though. I have a theory. Well, we know that, like... Um, the dairy industry. The dairy industry, yeah. Actually, it's, did you know that the re the whole Got Milk campaign and the reason why dairy is, like, so uh, integral to the the food chart, the plate, with, like, dairy as, like, they wanted... They really were pushing the milk agenda, if you remember, like, in high school and everything. The only reason that is a thing is because post-World War II... There was such, obviously, we existed in a crisis of overproduction, but mm -hmm. it was really heavy on the dairy production because it was so high in fat and it was like a, a good source of like calories. So they were really pushing it 
in World War Two, and then after it was like, okay, we have all this infrastructure for milk production. Let's just push it onto the people, even though milk is really, really bad for you. I feel like everybody knows it. Whole milk is like, I don't. There's like people are of two minds of it. Like my mom is like really like you know it's good for you. It's vitamin D, the calcium, the calcium. But it's also like this is what like baby cows drink to get all big and bulky like i don't think this is something we should be having every single day it's like hella Mm. carcinogenic or whatever but that's those are the nefarious uh world war ii origins of the dairy um the dairy agenda but what was i gonna say oh i have a personal theory that after i got my appendix out i became mildly lactose intolerant Really? After the appendix situation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That fateful day, January 2nd, 2018, starting off the <laughs> one of the worst years of my life. <laughs> because, Aww. well, they, like Asian people, South Asian people, but Asian people in general do have a propensity for lactose intolerance. But, and also your appendix is like this obsolete organ right. or like this obsolete thing in your body that doesn't have it doesn't have a function anymore i feel like primordially it was like you know when we were kind of doing exploratory consumption like oh what is this it might kill me it might poison me it might not (laughs) i think that's what the appendix did but now it's just like it does nothing when after i got it removed like i was i don't know if you can hear but i was really sensitive to like coffee and like it would just make it would just give me really sharp pains in my stomach maybe it was the oxy though who knows Oh, the oxy? As in oxy? Actually, it was hydrocodone, but... Oh, okay. Maybe it was the hydros. Maybe it was the hydros, yeah. Honestly, I feel like there's a lot of things happening in my body at any given moment that I don't want to know about. I used to want to know, but now I don't. I just... mm-mm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because now it's like scary. there's more things to worry about, like... C- seed oils and like the microplastics in the placenta enough enough i've heard enough i've had enough i want to stop knowing <laughs> yeah the exactly. bodega burger <laughs> <laughs> you had yeah, one bodega burger hit though it was good <laughs> the veggie, the really veggie good. burger the veggie burger i actually yeah. think i like veggie burgers more than real burgers it's really hit or miss, you know, with veggie burgers. It's like either they do this really gross, like uh, black bean thing, where it's Ew, like super yeah. dry. Mm-mm. Gross. I like it when it's like it looks computer generated, and like there's like a random piece of carrot in there, and you're just like, yeah, this is a uh, this is food. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. prison food, to be honest. When have you had prison food? Oh, I've never had prison food, but. I'm, uh, I've had the Michelle Obama lunch, and that oh, was basically yeah. prison food. <laughs> that shit sucks. Obama lunch. Yeah. When did that happen? 2008. I think that was, that yeah, was, that was coincidentally thing. when I. That was like, my recession. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just saw somebody um, say something. I want to read it out loud so we can re- live react. I can't lie, 2007 to 2009 recession slayed a lot more than this impending one, SMH. If the 09 recession never happened, the Black Eyed Peace Masterpiece album, the END, wouldn't exist, and neither would Minimalism or the Simpson episodes where they sell their house. If there's another <laughs> stock market crash, I know bitches gonna be making TikTok fan cams with 
uh, Glorilla playing in the back. This new generation is so unserious. That's really mm. funny. And that was a brave new girl. Mm. I've been hearing that too. That like there's so many parallels between this era and that of the 2008-2009. Not just because we're in a global financial crisis, inflation, etc. But like they're making a new Avatar movie. <laughs> the vibe what? is similar. The vibe yeah. is similar. Is it though? I feel like this vibe. Is but they're saying that the last recession hit harder. Like it had a it had a little vibe to it. it had a little vibe to it, and it was like sort of entrenched in various aspects of our cultural. You know. Yeah, I mean, I had fun in two thousand eight. Yeah, I think I did too. Like through it all, I don't know. Well, I think I was vibing pretty hard until two thousand eleven. Until two thousand eleven. Oh, 2018 was my bad year. Sixth grade, sixth grade was also really, really bad for me. Well, you want me to edit that out? Be real <laughs> with the people. Be wrong. Okay, okay. Yeah, sixth grade was awful for me. I, I would just like cry nonstop, to be honest. And I would just want to like stay home and play on my Wii all day. And my mom would get mad at me. She's like, "You can't skip school." Like, why? I have no friends. Aww. My teacher was a bitch too. Anyways, yeah, that's when math started getting hard and like, <laughs> so many Not things. Hmm? Math was so much fun for me in sixth grade because during my placement exam, it was like a booklet. During my placement exam, I accidentally flipped the page, so there was two whole pages that I forgot to answer. Jeez! So I flipped the page and I missed I missed like two whole pages of questions. So obviously that impacted my score, and I was placed in the lowest. <laughs> M- the easiest math and i had the time of my life let me tell you it was a ball (laughs) well see that's where i went wrong i i filled out every question in that placement exam and 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 i wanted to be the overachiever so bad that's where i went wrong that's where you fucked up anyways we're back you guys we're back we're back in the stew in the stew picking up some concepts and ideas for you for your for listening your pleasure listening pleasure oh my god i'm Hajj. i'm dia and yeah we're back you, do you guys remember wait this is really crazy do you guys remember last <laughs> episode when we promised we would never stop going in <laughs> <laughs> well uh, <laughs> i'm playing i'm playing we're going in, but in other ways, behind the scenes, in a secret way that you guys don't know. <laughs> in a secret third way. In a secret third way. And in silence. Except in not silence. anymore. No, we're speaking on we're it. Speaking yeah, on we've, it. Been, uh, we've been chilling. I mean, a lot has happened since we last recorded. It was my birthday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I made a nice multi-course dinner party. I slashed open my finger with a serrated knife. It was all a part of the process. Um, yeah, it was cute. I'm feeling 20. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Um, what else happened? What else happened in our lives? We went to, we just went to New York. To visit the family. To visit (laughs) (laughs) Chloe and Lorenzo. (laughs) Our Filipino side. (laughs) Dude, I'm, I'm like, I'm not only am I a Punjabi princess, I'm honorary Latina. And new update, I'm also 
Filipino. Yeah, isn't it Filipino Heritage Celebration today? Or uh, well, that's every day. It is every day. It's every Pinoy day. Pride. Fuck you mean? I fuck with <laughs> Filipino people heavy. They're really cool. Yeah, as do I. As do I. Um, but yeah, we had so much fun in New York. Everybody came together in a celebration of life and feudalism and <laughs> fiefdom. <laughs> and uh, forced labor and serfdom. and Dude, yeah. they were fucking up the baguette. Okay, there was a full plate of, of baguette, <laughs> French baguette. Chloe and I went to pick it up. It was empty by the end of the night. By the end of the night. The I jams. don't know. We so we had like a feudalism themed birthday party, kind of like hitting the sweet spot between both D and I's birthdays in mm. New York. Um, and it was really great. I mean, everybody leaned into the theme, but this really interesting phenomenon happened where like everybody wanted to be a serf. Oh, I yeah, I didn't get yeah. it. Everybody wanted to be a peasant, and I'm like, okay, maybe this is like a humiliation kink or something. Like, maybe it's like a like masochistically, you want to be like beaten down by the forces and told what to do like what is what's going on is it just easier yeah we posted that um hierarchy on our stories so that people could just you know see what options there are conceptually a lot of people people chose the bottom tier the peasantry tier the peasantry tier a, a strong community i guess which is so funny the irony of it all is that like if if we were really in the feudal times a bunch almost everybody that was there at that party would have fallen into the like you know artisan cast of like you know yeah jesters and and, like black yeah like uh artists and and writers writers okay (laughs) the monks Monks oh yeah monks yeah Dude. But this is what I'm saying. Like y- y'all are really leaning into the whole struggling artist thing. Mm. You're not a peasant. Mm. You're a jester. Mm-hmm. I think it would be cool to be a jester. Like the pressure's on. You're just trying to make people laugh, and you get a silly little hat. You get a silly little hat, and then it's like also like you jester's privilege. You can say anything. Like you speak with impunity, and you can't be punished because nothing you say matters yeah literally have we, we talked about jester's privilege we, we kind of have jester's privilege we kind of have it don't we i don't know <laughs> it's like this thing that like i feel like everything i say is ironic unless i'm making a good point and you agree then i'm saying it seriously That <laughs> <laughs> actually i was so for real <laughs> i don't know okay what do you think about when people say that there's like truth behind every joke do you think that's a thing um let me think Mm, yeah sure but why does that matter because it's a joke you know because because i feel like i don't know i do this thing often and i feel like maybe this is a part of me that not everybody kind of uh is inclined to agree with but I sometimes joke about the opposite of what I feel or what I say, like want to say, but that's the whole joke. 
in the sense that I'll lean into this like extreme opposite. Whoa, it's getting dialectic. It's getting dialectic. Sorry, I think in dialectics all the time. But if that's the case, well, Wait, you give know, an example, though. I'll give you an example. When I'm joking with friends, sometimes I'll say, like, the most bitchy, like, cruel, mean comment ever. <laughs> but I'm saying <laughs> it jokingly. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? that as the opposite of what I mean. Because cause I'm really meaning this, like, endearing thing. But I'm saying this, like, extreme. It's, it's like, it's, like, perform Like, this, like, performative. Oh, it's, like, a, a little performance. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm doing this and extreme. And those who get it, get it. Yeah, exactly. Or like, I'll give you another example. Sometimes I do this thing where I'm like, you know, I pick a fake argument. I'm like, oh, so I'm sorry, I'm not her. Like, well, you know, I do that. I do that. But like, I'm joking. It's not like this is actually some insecurity because if it really was, I play my cards really close to my chest. If I'm really feeling some type of way, I won't even joke about it. You know, like Mm -hmm. it'll be too whatever. It'll be like okay. Maybe I just need to be smarter about how I'm wording this, but I would never joke about something like that. So I think it's like, yeah, I think it's really funny. It can rub a lot of people wrong because it's not exactly sarcasm because I'm not doing this deadpan thing, but mm-hmm. it's like the secret third thing. It's like either you get it or you don't. Like yeah, I'm I'm doing all these this like extremeness, so I'm mm-hmm. showing it. Yeah, I'm capable of that, and I think like that. But that's only like acknowledging this other end of things but this it's is what really, I really mean. yeah it's really like the iceberg you know the top of the iceberg mm. the bottom of the iceberg and i think it's really fun also to just like play to around like why not just exactly see how far you can take it i th- it's I, fun I okay really i'm gonna like, close my door okay i, I feel like in life if there's no jest i'm out you know like i i never really realized how important like being silly pilled is to me i'm so silly pilled <laughs> yes you are uh, heavy on the silly pill okay well, sh- should we get around to the, the 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 topic of the episode today yeah why not we why not we why not just dive right in why not just dive right in okay this week, D and I are talking about this long-awaited uh, concept that we've had brewing in our minds, and as I'm sure anybody on the internet has been privy to thinking about pondering on, we're going to be talking about all things consumption today, the culture of consumption. What drives us to consume? Who does it benefit? Who does it harm? why do we do it yes exactly yeah and to be honest um what we're really talking about this week is not so much the uh well actually let's just talk about it (laughs) yeah let's we got yeah let's not get so honestly what really like sparked this was um d and i have obviously as every young person on the internet has been seeing um the popularity of and the widespread advertising and marketing of this highly successful new clothing line heaven by mark jacobs <gasps> and i don't know i f- i feel like just as a 
case study of like consumption and culture and like this weird hyper reality of modern existence heaven is just like this most potent example of like kind it's like it's like such a microcosm i feel like and we've been noticing some like think pieces roll out about about heaven by mark jacobs particularly on tiktok and whatnot so i think like i don't know it's it's kind of like this really really interesting phenomena if like we zoom out and think about like almost in admiration how well heaven taps into the essence of modern times Mm. yeah 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 they definitely have their finger on the pulse as you say and their marketing team knows what they're doing yeah so let's let's like describe to the per average person what heaven by mark jacobs is it is how would you describe it (laughs) how would you Uh, describe (laughs) i would first like describe it as really youthful colorful Mm. exciting clothes yeah um yeah i would say that it's just very youthful and colorful and it's worn by um these different niche groups that are very Mm -hmm. popular and have their own fan base on the internet yeah Yeah. i would i would describe it as like this very hyper internet brand Mm. it's very like escapist it's very like this like a lot of cartoon ish aestheticism it's very dreamy but ultimately it's like it is the internet like Mm. uh encapsulated brand and I think, like, the reason why it's so widely popular and expensive is because of not the designs, not not the particular, like, structure or style of the products, but the marketing technique that they've tapped into, which is this, like, almost, like, f- total, like, monopoly on niche subcultures Mm. or maybe monopoly isn't the right word i just feel like they they just have a grip on every single like corner of the internet really like they they have their like tentacles all over the place (laughs) their tentacles (laughs) their tentacles yeah because i'm like yeah no thinking about it and like they covered all their bases in terms of what is popular what is niche it could be anybody's like yeah it could be anybody's favorite artist from your like Blade everyone from like, like your yeah that one guy Kyle McLaughlin from Twin from Peaks Twin Peaks so yeah your favorite your favorite it girl your favorite tiktoker your favorite niche celebrity everybody is wearing heaven uh doing a photo shoot for heaven like fucking pamela anderson like crazy crazy like you know almost absurd like um marketing campaigns that you wouldn't expect but yeah definitely the nature of their marketing technique i think is is so genius because on the one hand you have this like pretty establishment 
fashion figure of like Marc Jacobs Incorporated, you know, this like established institutional cloudy thing mm-hmm. combined with this like new, new age, like dreamy internet um, spinoff of this with like a different creative director. It's very youthful. It's very now. It's very trendy. When you have a marketing technique where every single little subgroup and niche community on the internet has some type of representative has some type of representative or base reference point Hmm. you've included everybody and you don't even need you don't even need to design specific things for specific communities the work is already done for you you put your favorite like you know podcaster in uh heaven by mark jacobs and boom new market because the way that it works now with like uh, trend culture, stan culture, whatever. People don't just like things anymore. It's like this hyper identification where, mm-hmm. like, who you listen to, who you like, you know, your, your, uh, your corification, your self uh, ascribed aesthetic is your identity. So, like, it becomes this ultimately, like, in- integral element of, like, your personality or whatever. And I think, like, it's genius honestly it's genius the clothes itself i mean it's it becomes inconsequential i think at Mm -hmm. that point which i think a lot of people are missing out on in their like you know takes on this whether or not people like what the sweater actually looks like and some of them are hard you know like some of them aren't but like it's it's almost inconsequential it doesn't really matter it's irrelevant to the the point that it stands it's like this is a this is a cultural artifact. This is like a in group out group type of thing. Except in this case there is no out group. Everybody is included. Did you see that bleacher photo shoot that they did? Yeah, like yeah. they had so many niche micro celebs in there. But um yeah, yeah, you make a really good point. The clothes doesn't really matter. I feel like the criticisms a lot of the time are like this is kind of exploitative of certain groups. I think one of them was like saying, you know, the uh, exploitation of like Harajuku culture or Wong Kar Wai, you know, things that are mm. definitely meaningful and personal to people that is being like exploited, exploited in this yeah. way. So they and so th- this yeah. is another element that we yeah. kind of want to explore. They have been met with accusations of being conceptually exploitative, of uh, really harping on the past, past trends, past cultural moments to um and and ultimately like this like modern revival um what do you what do you think about this do you think heaven is conceptually exploitative yeah i actually think i kind of went back and forth about this because i think the the main point is that this could really be anybody's anybody's thing you know like it could be anything that you find personal or that has some kind of like cultural importance in your life and um the point is is that they're taking these things that are popular it's it's like which came first the chicken or the egg like what came first is that this there's this entire culture around like creating your identity um around aesthetic and like horrification and then i feel like heaven is just kind of playing on that if that makes sense like they're Mm. they're really playing on it and it's working in their favor but it really could be anything it doesn't have to you know it could be anything yeah yeah this is this is really interesting 
I think uh, whether or not it's conceptually exploitative is kind of missing the point. I feel like any good marketing is conceptually exploitative. Do you know, mm-hmm. like that is marketing in its essence. And you have to give heaven credit where it's due in being conceptually exploitative, quote unquote. I'm doing finger quotations at this point. Because what is what is this existence um, defined by? It's defined by hyper-reality. This is where like Baudrillard's analysis really is vital here. The reason why everything is perpetually referential and we're constantly looking in, into the past is because of the state of the consumer society that we exist in today. The reason why we're so, so referential and always looking to the past in the 90s is because as, at, at the current point in time, in this current like condition of bleakness, what do people have to be aspirational towards? What is f- the futurism of the 90s where people were, you know, like the movie hackers and like you know uh you know like this this like uh Techno what is it punk yeah yeah, oh, yeah cyberpunk like yeah cyberpunk vibe like if you look at how tech has manifested today or how modern developments of technology serve us it's it's to our detriment i mean these are like really nefarious evil mechanisms of surveillance and like war machinery and like drones mm-hmm. and like really like you know hostile architecture there's nothing optimistic about innovation we know this to be true at the age of the internet everybody was super optimistic that this was going to be this like inclusive thing and yeah we have tiktok memes and, and twitter and such but on the whole this hasn't brought anybody together it's exacerbated um existing divides and contradictions and crises you know mm-hmm. now we're gonna get web three and it's gonna be this like further decline <laughs> of like you know social ties and like enemy is just yeah. gonna be like uh, exacerbated so you have this element of it and you also have this like this total abstraction that like the average young person this this state of abstraction to like community and Mm. to like in a distinct sense of self and a distinct purpose and when you live in this society where consumerism is the culture consumerism is the economic base it's it's how we define our our existence then that's going to be our our channel for identity and Baudrillard actually really talked about this Baudrillard is was like this uh his his whole thing was um consumerism he talked a lot about consumerism and semiotics he was a french sociologist um writing in the 1970s i believe and i I also i often think about his work now honestly like i was feeling like a little bit intellectually understimulated obviously marx's contributions are incredibly helpful but from this sociological perspective the way that we exist today is like I don't know, it's just taken on this really, really insane, distinct twist and turn of, like, psyops and, like, you know, symbolism that, like, you do look for something to build upon this, like, base understanding of, like, the market functions and economics, um, economic relations, etc. So this is really where Baudrillard's analysis have really kind of picked up where Marx left off. He actually builds on Marx's analysis of, like, value Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, it's 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 incredibly interesting. So Baudrillard was really uh he was really conceptualizing the consumer society that we exist in today to have a type of function that transcends 
uh, economic relations, if that mm. makes sense. In the sense that consumption, as he understands, becomes the organizing principle of society. And when objects that we consume, that we associate with, that we come to possess, come together to speak a language. When we think about this, when we think about like objects speaking a language, if we think about how tethered identity has become to consumption, this is both this like really, it, it, it like it provides clarity, but it's also really troubling. So, like, Baudrillard has this, like, analysis of value of, like, objects having uh, a speaking a language, being, being like, tethered to one another um, in the sense that, like, when, when we're talking about learning a language, sometimes a word means nothing. You give me a word and you give me a definition, but I only know what this word really means, like, a, a real understanding and how to use it in relation to other words so tree right. you know like okay tree is a tree <laughs> but what i really understand how i really understand what a tree is is in my relation to an understanding of a leaf of a branch of a forest of a park you know like mm. this is this is like in this sense like how, how linguistic is linguistics is this web and speaks the language of understanding objects also play a, a role in this as well. So in the system of objects, which is a, the the name of the text that Baudrillard um, wrote, he talks about uh, like branding and essentially the symbolic value of an object. So in, under a traditional Marxist understanding, you have a functional value, which is like a, the inherent function of an object, like this inherent value of an object exists insofar as it's useful okay mm -hmm. so like a, a bed is useful insofar as like you sleep in it and you fulfill your basic physiological necessity of sleep mm -hmm. exchange value um as marx understood was like an object's economic value so this like transference of like you know this is worth this many things this one this one object is worth you know five dollars etc then marx uh kind of stops there and he talks about commodity fetishism of course commodity fetishism being the concept of like objects taking on um hyperinflated value due to social relations but it's almost like this limited thing we've developed and built built upon today like uh, if you try to explain to marx the way that like dead stock merch would like you know <laughs> play into you know like oh but this this like the this by market. this yeah the resale market collaborative ventures you know like different derivatives of like derivatives of derivatives it's insane this is where like sign value comes in and this is Baudrillard's uh, contribution to Marx's understanding of value where an object's value exists within a system of objects so it's beyond this commodity fetishism where an object has an inflated value because of like this fetishism that like you know we we've ascribed this value but the object exists but the object exists and has value because of a world of meaning of purpose of of intention of like you know how we interact with things 
-hmm. In this sense, objects come to speak a language. The troubling part comes when the language of objects of consumption is louder than our voices itself. When it speaks both for us and before us, we've kind of lost, like, identity at this point. It's all hyper-reality. It's It's all all hyper-reality, yeah. It's simulation, it's imitation, it's abstraction. This is what Baudrillard calls simulacra. And we've come to exist in this state of hyper-reality where everything is referential and everything is imitational perfectly to the extent that we can't differentiate the original from the replication. Mm -hmm. And we exist in a state of hyper-reality where the hyper-real is more real than the real. So in this space, there's very little room for, like, genuine expression and, like, genuine relationship with, um, like, what we consume. And uh, even, like, there's no room for critique of our habits of consumption and our drive to consume as well. Exactly, exactly. So in taking Baudrillard's analysis and looking at this current state of, like, you know, consumer culture, consumption not only becomes this, like, thing that that happens in a society, it becomes this impulse. It becomes an imperative you don't just consume to fulfill this basic function of like needs met. Mm. There becomes more and more arenas of consumption and layered consumption where what you are consuming, exactly, and it speaks a language. This is the system of objects. It's speaking a language and it speaks it so well that it becomes us. It, mm-hmm. We're our entire identity, our worldview. We become imbued and aestheticism, and, co- and this particularly impacts young people, imbued in these communities, imbued in these self-described associations, the coreification, coquette, uh, fucking, you know. <laughs> ballet core. Ballet core, you know, if you're like on this grunge vibe or whatever. Fairy grunge. Really think about it. Is It's easy to jump from these aesthetics because it's like this... Like mm-hmm. you, you adorn yourself with certain objects. Oh, you have like the Mew Mew flats. Yeah, yeah, that's so ballet core. <laughs> You're so this. Mm-hmm. And what is what is implied in that? Oh, that's so Lana Del Rey vinyl. You smoke cigarettes <laughs> and you're soft and you're poetic and you're like a Pisces or something. <laughs> that's a system of objects. That's that's mm-hmm. when the objects speak for and before us. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy to watch it happen. Like. You can't avoid it, exactly. especially if you're existing on the internet, which is a lot of us, most of us, all of us. Yeah, and I don't mean to hate on people who um, really lean into this. I'm speaking about this as like a social psychological phenomenon, it's like a, where an observation. Yeah, it's an observation, but it's something that I don't think people really think about because on this level of like identity and finding meaning and finding community these these like these concepts are so so you know important to us now mm-hmm. like oh you found community that's so important oh you found your sense of self that's that's amazing mm-hmm. but if all of that was done through consumption 
and still amongst all of this you know beautiful personal transformation the imperative to consume still exists there's something troubling going on and mm-hmm. i feel like it's it's kind of hard to speak on that without being like hit with the hater accusations or like the doomerist <laughs> accusations like oh everything is fucked anyways but is it do you know like yeah can we be critical about this the reality of the situation and how it's not really beneficial to a lot of us to think this way but most importantly it's not beneficial to like the entirety of the world that has to like face the material repercussions of these like patterns of consumption and exactly exactly because the issue in all this is the this presumes that we consume we have to consume to feel and consume to express and consume to self-actualize and because those are positive things because you can consume in a green way to symbolize that yeah i'm i'm standing against climate change look at my metal straw and my patagonia jacket if you can consume to express that yeah this is who i am truly this is my uh this is my ethos i'm like different i'm like you know this is what i care about because these things on their surface is like society deems them as positive forms of expression to criticize this space this consumer society it becomes like a faux pas you can't do it you're a hater or or alternatively it turns into this thing where it's like yeah well there's no ethical consumption under capitalism anyways Mm. it's all fucked anyways but think about that statement like this is what really gets to me is like think about that statement that there's no ethical consumption under capitalism yes capitalism is fucked it's imbued in exploitation and violence from the age of neoliberalism to you know colonialism to every single iteration that 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 it exists in Mm -hmm. but what is the assumption in that statement latent in that statement is that we must consume consumption is you know natural it's like breathing it's like breathing we have to do it Mm -hmm. why do we have to do that you know like and if we really think about the the uh, extent of like industrialization and manufacturing of outsourcing of this hyper production of this total total abstraction and uh, alienation of labor laborers abroad to get to this point that we exist in today, is this really how it has to be? Is this really all it's ever going to be? You know, like, I don't get it. Uh, What do you think about that? I think it's really interesting that you said that um, a lot of the things that are important to us now are, like, fulfillment and, like, finding yourself because in the culture that we exist today and assuming that, you know, consumption is a necessary part of life like none of those things actually help that come to be like i don't know none of those things are actually fulfilling instead they're kind of making people feel more insecure making people less like more detached from um one another and then it just continues to like perpetuate the cycle where you're always you're you never feel like you're you know complete or like you're a part of something even which is really sad. Yeah, which on a certain level I would I would concede um 
in my in in my criticism if this consumption was a means to an end mm. do you know what i'm saying if uh, yeah i get it everything is imbued in exploitation the global supply chain is rife with fucked up shit mm-hmm. but if consumption truly was this liberatory thing was this means to an en- to an end for self-actualization i would understand it but it's not and it never is it never is because the language just evolves in sophistication it evolves like slang oh that's outdated you can't say you can't speak this language anymore we're speaking a different language now and the impulse is to keep up up. keep up yeah yeah who is sustaining this demand the forces of capital love this 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 they eat it up exactly this system of objects and its acceleration and its its sophisticated development isn't is totally in line with the forces of capital capital is like a shark in the water it has to expand and grow exponentially it has to move or it's going to risk collapse Mm -hmm. so when you have this consumer drive and you have the forces of capital of course this is this like perfect recipe and what does it prey upon it preys upon individual insecurity it preys upon uh feelings of uh uh, deficiency it preys upon mm-hmm. you know this never-ending like uh egoistic like narcissistic uh tendency to always you know be the best version of you to be like mm-hmm. the most loud version of you to be the most profound and it's never gonna stop and it's gonna be this like really really vicious cycle yeah it feeds in our into our maybe you could argue more natural ways or like desires to be a part of something which is cruel i think the cruelest part of all like which is so which is so fucked up this is also what i was saying about like um these thinly veiled positive attributions imbued in consumption of community of self-expression the community angle is like that's really significant because if you look at the state of social alienation amongst young people in the first world or whatever you know like this this is their means for community like this this is their means for identity to Mm -hmm. to be in this you know in group to be like you know oh i'm like this i'm not like that almost dialectically on this like alt normie um you know like this linear thing of like you know it's sad and it's frustrating like that's that's what has come to be this is this is our hyper reality this is what we've come to exist under so my niche internet celebrity that i stand speaks for me and that's my community and that's that's who i'm with and my corification my aesthetic is that's my that's who i am and this is my this is my uh, sense of identity. Who are we abstracted from consumption? I wonder. Who can yeah. we be? If you strip this, what is left? And what you're left with is this really, really bleak thing, you know, like devoid of like purpose, you know, devoid of like optimism, of like a hopeful future, devoid of a natural organic community and our immediate surroundings. No wonder hyperreality and the internet are like this match made in heaven. Yeah. Very uh, appealing, very attractive, very. It's really crazy because people 
I'm just thinking about it now, like this idea of hyperreality is sort of something people in the past thought was like a dystopian kind of, but mm-hmm. like we're living in it now and nobody really questions it or like bats an eye. It's, it feels like heaven. Yeah, it feels like heaven. <laughs> and so it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is yeah which is another thing too if, if it's something if it is this in consequence then that's all it is that's all it becomes that's that's the simulacra of it if you can imitate mm-hmm. something if you can tap into a feeling if you can refer to something mm-hmm. in the past well enough it becomes that mm-hmm. and we can't tell the difference so mm-hmm. returning back to heaven by mark jacobs they've perfected this they understand hyperreality truly they understand the like state of existence that young people are in with uh micro celebrities and niche communities and this alienation and they've wrapped it up into this r- incredibly palatable uh enticing thing that that is right there for the grabs and and like is is right there for for people to to hold on to and uh, lean into truly yeah i'm kind of curious to see how many other brands kind of lean into that because i mean you mentioned the bibu the mimi sorry the mimi ballet flats and i i don't know i wonder how many other um like we've talked about how detrimental this is to people and relationships and of course like the global south because of fast fashion but also fashion itself kind of suffers in a way because Mm. everything is dictated by hyper reality and nothing is truly i mean people that's where that criticism comes in like oh this is lazy this is lazy and it's not meaningful not like refer to you know yeah it's not transcendent yeah 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 it's nothing new is happening, you know, which is which is I think I think this is the the heavier accusation than something being conceptually exploitative in this yeah, sense. Yeah. The heavier accusation is that it's like conceptually lazy, that it's like creatively lazy, that it's almost imprisoning like Im- like, yeah, it, it imprisons the the transcendent expression of like <laughs> not being able to be tied down into like a yeah. aesthetic or a core or jumping in between things too as well like fashion definitely suffers for sure like i i don't i hope at the risk of appearing anti-fashion fashion but <laughs> d and i are kind of we're not we're doing this in the, we love fashion it's interesting like i i i appreciate fashion like i'm i'm not a total hater when it comes to it i i do think it's it's a really really important form of expression but mm. fashion and consumption because they've they've been so tethered because of e-commerce because of like you know the shop feature on instagram because of influencers yeah. because Algorithms, anytime you're on yeah anytime the hyper trend cycle anytime you're on your phone you're at once a consumer and an observer and like you know everything like the line has been so blurred i think these deeper meanings and this this like innovation and expression and all of these like concepts they suffer Mm -hmm. 
from this profit sucks. motive. It yeah, sucks. And it, it sucks because, uh, I don't know, people have been kind of saying, like, consumption isn't fulfilling. Creation is. But then what what kind of environment are you creating in? You're not really creating in one that truly cares about people. And that's that should be the focus as well. You know, there's there's greater forces at play here that mm. are preventing us from even creating in like a healthy way, if that makes sense, in a way that that considers genuine, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. I also think from this angle of like uh, being like the, like the newest of the new, like new iterations, Mm. new innovations or whatever within the fashion realm from this angle of exclusivity or like whatever, that's all like that's gone now too. Do you remember mm-hmm. the the Miu Miu f- mini skirt? Oh, ew, when, yeah. When that came about, and it was like within a week, there was yeah. like she and she and iterations and and this kind of stuff. It's really really nefarious, like the way that e commerce has like I mean, Shein itself is valued at a hundred billion dollars. Mm-hmm billion with a b <laughs> with a b yeah Th- this is this is this is like this totally insane mega mega force in production and consumption that underlies everything how vast is like the shein catalog you know what they do on shein i read about this the other day and it totally blew my mind but it was totally unsurprising as well they'll mm. they'll evade this whole supply chain mm, uh, supply and demand type thing where they'll market using AI and using predictive mm-hmm. algorithms stuff that doesn't even exist items that are not even manufactured yet AI generated to see if there's a in the predictive market to see if there is a consumer base for that and once there is they start churning them out turning them out but like that also speaks to how insanely quick they're uh their production cycle is and mm-hmm. it can do that on a whim mm-hmm. and it isn't this thoughtful okay this is gonna be produced for this many people because this many p- it's like anything you want anything you want it you can have it and is that fulfilling no it's not <laughs> at these at these in- insane price points the environmental cost the labor cost the psychological cost nobody's mm-hmm. fulfilled nobody's fulfilled and you're not evading the exploitation of anything when you talk about like capitalism being capitalism. It's just really like disgusting defeatism, honestly, where we just lean into the, we lean into this yeah. state of being uncritically. I'm not even saying stop mm. shopping, you know, like that's not even what I'm saying here. Why can't we think critically about consumption? Why is this so difficult? for us to do because it implicates us every single one of us it forces us to look inward and to interrogate our insecurities and our sense of identity and our how how we're implicated in this broader global system Mm -hmm. our culpability yeah it forces us to think about climate change it forces us to think about all of these things and that's uncomfortable we don't want to do it so in this like 
individualist society that we live in, we lean on community. We lean on identity. We lean on artistic expression. We lean on, you know, this this makes me... uh. Yeah, no, to speak to what you were saying about um, we're not even saying not to consume. We're just trying to interrogate consumption because even the things that people say are like more ethical things to do are still a form of consumption that don't interrogate the drive to consume like thrifting or like i don't know thrifting's the main one i can think of but um oh oh but buying these like everlane-esque yeah ethically produced clothing lines that all look so fugly like why are they all so <laughs> fugly like they all look the same nine to five product manager project manager corporate ass fucking flats and jeans and stuff <laughs> that's me being a hater for real actually you guys <laughs> that was actually harsh hating that was me but yeah that's also a really really interesting angle how come our how come also on this other end expressing altruism and our ethics how come that also manifests in consumption why do we have to consume goodwill <laughs> why do we have to consume environmentalism why do we have to consume yeah this is still this perpetuation of consumption this doesn't tap into the spiritual sickness of like the consumer society and how it it's totally invaded our psyches and our sense of self yeah it doesn't or even interrogate how it's just honestly thrifting is just another step in like in the cycle like all of it all of the thrift stores are filled with fast fashion now you know yeah dude that and that's the crazy thing and then after that they're just gonna go be dumped in someone else's country where like their infrastructure can't handle the waste the textile waste and it's just it's just it's just bad it's just bad all around yeah yeah it is really bad again like not to do this doomerism like it's ethically fucked from every angle but there is another realm that exists in thrifting so thrifting thrifting being this like purported antidote to fast fashion uh, thrifting is great you know like you're uh, it, it does have a an angle of virtue in the sense that like you're not perpetuating this like Mm -hmm. you're not feeding into the fast fashion supply chain and you're not like you know participating in it actively you're kind of just dealing with like the textile waste you know this this massive massive problem that already exists Mm -hmm. but even latent in this is uh still this impulse to consume and you see that with like these massive thrift hauls that people do where they'll just like go to the thrift store and like leave with like fucking heaps like heaps of clothing heaps of clothing it's like yeah yeah, yeah. i'm fighting textile waste and it's like yeah shorty maybe you are but <laughs> at what cost i also th- at what cost like it also is in a so so from two angles like you're gonna get hit with the the depop demon allegations Mm. the the fast fashion uh, not the fast fashion but like you're flipping these clothes at a profit which i feel like is this like kind of Mm -hmm. pretty nefarious phenomenon that we've been seeing it's kind of like a rinsed meme now but you know like the 
when you go to the thrift store and you find like this tiny little children's t-shirt and you list it on depop mm. for thirty dollars right right y2k mini y2k mini yeah yeah cropped which is like their prerogative though you feel me like yeah the market exists Hmm, interesting to explore this from, like, a class dimension because people will say, like, oh, uh, thrift stores are, like, fast fashion even or some of, like, the few ways that uh, lower-income people can shop and, you know, look good because at the end of the day, that's what people want. And But at the same time, like, most of the people that are shopping in these stores are like are doing these hauls are not lower income and then it doesn't it also like neglects account for the fact that a lot of the shopping habits wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for do you get what i mean like there's a whole like they're really pushing for you Mm. to engage in this so you you even struggle to keep up even even when you don't really need to i don't know doesn't matter dude there's there's like this ethical paralysis that exists at every single stage of consumption Mm -hmm. oh you can't tell people not to shop fast fashion because that's classist Mm -hmm. it's all poor people can afford what the fuck yeah oh actually i can't thrift because i'm of upper income and i'm stealing from low-income people so i have to i have to shop fast fashion this is my uh this is my stance and this is yeah this yeah. is actually me fulfilling my class interest what the fuck what are you guys talking or maybe about don't <laughs> or maybe just stop maybe it's like stay home you know like or, or maybe stop doing this like this like false class-based moralization of your consumption because mm-hmm. you're gonna do what you're gonna do at the end of the day yeah yeah, D- Depop demons exist, but just because they sh- shop at thrift have you been to a thrift store? There's there's so much, constantly. Mm. It's not going to stop you from thrifting. You know, like, uh, and even on this other angle of like, uh, like, oh, I, I, I can afford to not thrift, so let me not. Like, what? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, like you're just... You're just finding this angle, this moralization of what you want to do anyways. Mm -hmm. To consume how you would like to anyways. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is like this really frustrating angle to it as well. I feel like that a lot of young people do, especially in like this social justice age where everything is like a pastel infographic. Again, is this this... So is this a virtue signaling thing is this a form of self-righteousness <laughs> yeah. or do we actually care about what we're trying to care about here mm-hmm. nobody's being critical about the supply chain do we really understand how fast fashion operates from from the production of cotton from the agribusiness industry from from the murders and the birth defects and the suicides that come from debt trapping and chemical warfare on these communities that are producing cotton from the carcinogenic you know cancer rates of people in the manufacturing industry mm-hmm. from the deaths and the sexual harassment and the exploitation of women in these garment factories that are in these precarious, precarious conditions. Mm-hmm. The contamination of their land, the contamination of their water supply, the depletion of their natural resources. Yeah, exactly. Like, are we really thinking about that? Cause if we really are, 
doesn't matter where we buy this stuff from, we're going to be thinking critically about consumption. Why do these farmers have to do these physically impossible crop yields year after year? Why are they becoming debt-trapped by Monsanto? Why are they killing themselves by drinking the pesticide because they can't produce enough? Why are these laborers subjecting themselves to sexual harassment and unsafe working conditions in these factories? Like, are we really thinking, are we really thinking in, in the interest of like this global understanding of like production and consumption? Because if we're really thinking about the, 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 how fucked up could production is on this end, we have to be thinking about consumption. We have to be thinking about consumption critically, the act of it. Because there's no way out. Do you get what I'm saying? Capital is going to do what capital does. That's why you're going to have the H&M green line. You're, that's why you're going to have the whole closing the loop, recycling, the greenwashing. Uh, the greenwashing. If it all feeds back into consumption, we've lost the plot. <laughs> Absolutely. We are not going to get very far. Yeah, we don't need to have a savior complex when it comes to these systems but we have to understand that capital flows with the logic these people are gonna these industries are gonna do what they do and if we're not cognizant of our role in this the mechanism that we play as consumers within the first world in this cycle and i mean at least at minimum be critical how can we claim to care about the ethics of of capitalism you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. can we, how can we clear, claim to be virtuous members of a global society Mm -hmm. If that even is a thing. Because I, I don't know. I, I saw this documentary when I was in like ninth or 10th grade in high school called The True Cost. And it kind of explored this stuff. This was before the advent of like, you know, this was before e-commerce really, really became a thing. And this was kind of like 2016, 2015 in the age when people were going to the mall still. And like Forever mm -hmm. 21 was kind of a thing. Urban Outfitters. And it talked about the global supply chain of, you know, textiles and manufacturing and all of this stuff. I think even like the design element about how like fashion designers were super frustrated and being exploited and like this whole nine points of difference in design mm. where everything is like copies of copies, simulacra. And this total frustration throughout this whole thing, even on the consumer's end, because there's never like a true fulfillment and and shopping it's like this never satis there's never like a satisfaction after a haul it's like the impulse is another haul and a greater haul and a more extensive haul <laughs> yeah my conclusion and and after watching that was kind of like immediate i was like yeah dude no more fast fashion i'm not going to perpetuate this system i'm not going to change anything personally you know like oh my gosh hodge isn't shopping at h&m anymore like oh my god she really did it mm. she stopped you know fast fashion it wasn't like this it was kind of just this like personal choice that yeah it does. i can't participate in these things in good faith while still maintaining the values that i have yeah dude so it was just like no i'm i thought critically about my consumption and i thought my i thought about my involvement in this and i realized i don't have to do this i don't have to go to the mall and go to Paxson and buy a pair of jeans even though that's what i thought mm-hmm was what would make me feel good yeah dude it's the least you could do honestly i feel like it's the least you could do interrogate why 
we have this assumption that we need to be consuming constantly and it goes beyond like we talked about the system of objects it goes so much more beyond fashion to you know books uh furniture (laughs) Furniture, Uh, you know anything honestly anything when you hold time in your hand (laughs) when you hold time in your hand antiques uh, i'm guilty i'm guilty as charged you know uh but yeah it's crazy yeah but dude do you want to the do you want to know the crazier part is when i started when i started thrifting for everything and then I got on eBay, and then I got on ThreadUp, and then I got on Depop. I still wasn't satisfied. I still didn't feel good. I felt awful. Yeah. Like, there's been points in my life, and I've noticed this. There's been points mm-hmm. in my life where things are slow. Like, during quarantine, for example. It's when I consume the most. It's when I'm getting a package every week of like, oh, I just found, I just won this bid on this shirt. Oh, I just got a new pair of black boots. How many pair of black boots do I have? I have so many. You have a lot. I do have a lot. I'm guilty of this. And you have this aspirational thing where it's like, oh, if I have this shirt and I wear it, it's going to make me feel good. It never makes you feel good. So I've reached this point now where it was like, okay, I can't moralize my consumption because I'm not perpetuating fast fashion and this is all secondhand. It's not enough. Mm. I still feel like shit. (laughs) And then I realized mm-hmm. it was consumption. After all, it was this con- consumption. I was filling this void with consumption. And it was never going to become full because there was always going to be this new iteration. Yeah, yeah. Facts. Yeah. And then at a certain point, it stops being meaningful to you at all. Like, I, I was thinking about this when after we talked about it last time. Like, how my consum- how this could apply to um my habits of like collecting music and stuff like it's personal to me but then there comes a point where i wonder what's it all for i don't know yeah i feel like there's ways that we could interrogate it further um we can interrogate it further when it comes to um our consumption of of most things yeah I think an orientation towards this, and this is, again, something Baudrillard talked about, is um, objects having symbolic value. Hmm. It's an object's value assigned by subject in relation to another subject that's deeply personal between a giver and a receiver in the sense of a gift, a, a mm-hmm. deep meaning behind something, a sentimental attachment. Mm-hmm. It's basically a thought, a thought behind something, a thought behind... Uh, in, a, in, a, in a deeply personal sense I think when we consume along this symbolic line it helps us feel m- more whole and I think we also consume mm. less in this way at least I've noticed once I started doing this more symbol- symbolic attachments to the things in my life I stopped consuming out of insecurity I stopped consuming out of restlessness and I developed like a deeper attachment to the stuff that mm. surrounded me and it was liberatory i'll be honest like I, I feel more whole like this and i don't look at the essence sale and feel like oh fuck i need to yeah, like buy yeah. something i'm not jealous of uh Zelensky's new new balance new balance <laughs> <laughs> Zelensky for heaven by mark jacob <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Tap into that. Yeah. I'm tapping into my essence, you know. Your essence, not the essence still. Not the Your essence. Your raw still. essence. My exactly, raw. exactly. Because at the end of the day, on the day of judgment, it's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Speak on it, speak on it, speak on it. God will ask us all our possessions to name them. Yeah. And back in the, back in the biblical Quranic times, they had like a wooden spoon, a bowl, and like a napkin. (laughs) And you're going to have to tell God, you're going to have to tell God, I have the Mew Mew Flats. And then I have the Heaven by Mark Jacobs the, necklace. The and then I have the bow. And then I have the blade jeans. And then I have the... <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. Okay, Heaven by Mark Jacobs did like this photo shoot. I was looking at their page before in preparation of this episode. They did this recent mm. photo shoot of like people. Just like people, like fans of Mark Jacobs. But not just normal fans. Fans who had like m- like a bunch of stuff like jeez they had the jeans the shirt the pillow the necklace the the bow the like everything and it was like a photo shoot of these people in their bedrooms with like all of their heaven stuff laid out like it was about to be the first day of school and that was a photo shoot was like Ah. random people that like were super fans of heaven again like oh fucking genius marketing (laughs) you've 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 aestheticized the aestheticism. Oh, it's getting meta again. It's getting meta. Like they, they, they've beautified and projected this image of heavens, of heaven being consumed <laughs> for heaven. Like that's mm-hmm. so meta. Really think about it. Look at the photo shoot. I don't know if I'm making sense, but like, fucking genius. I'm looking at it. Heaven Collectors Photographed by Grace. It's this totally meta thing that, like, consuming heaven and being photographed by heaven is the most heaven thing that you could do. Sheesh. And it's not this lame thing to have, like, every single thing that they produce and whatever. It's actually, like... They're laying next to the clothes like it's the first day of school. Right, exactly. Nah, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is hyper-reality. This is heaven. Hmm. This is heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. Uh, and what is the impulse going to be the next drop for these people and people adjacent? Mm-hmm. Buy that shit. Buy that shit and lay it next to the, the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Fucking genius. I'm looking at this. I'm like, yo, I'm behind. I don't have a single heaven. Credit <laughs> where credit's due. I mean, I would never wear anything from heaven. It's not really my vibe, but... totally impressed if if they would they would have got me like a few years ago if i was in high school i would be totally impressionable to all this no yeah i'm thinking i wonder how many of these people are actual heaven collectors maybe they just gave them like the merch and sat them down but then like the average person they're they're actual they're actual people really heaven dm'd them and was like hey where you based let's do a photo shoot these are like wow. normal ass people, dude. Like n- normal ass consumers. This is kind of genius, isn't it? Like, oh, dude, dude. When when every single micro celebrity niche internet sector corner of the internet is represented 
by and spoken Same. for through a heaven photo shoot, you've got everybody. You've tapped into everybody. Mm-hmm. The same sweater, the same itchy sweaters, the same look, but this market, <laughs> this this internet market, you've done it. You've fucking done it, and it's genius. You have to give them credit where credit's due. This, yep. like, uh, yeah. It's so perpetually referential, too, because it's even inspired by a photographer from the 1990s to the 2000s. And then the second the shoe was inspired. Oh, the uh, Suzuki. Mm. Second one was inspired by Seventeen magazine from nineteen nineties. You get you get perpetually referential. The simulacra of it all is gonna be in ten years time. People are gonna think back on this aesthetic and think, oh, the heaven photo shoot, not the Suzuki, not the Wong Kar Wai. It's yeah. gonna be, and it's gonna yeah. And this is just this the state oh. of existence. Crazy, crazy dude, crazy dude. But credit where it's credit where credit's due they've really they've really tapped into the essence of it all hmm facts though <laughs> and then and then in come the think pieces of course the guy sitting in his bedroom with a septum piercing and a white tank top not me being a hater no i'm just saying like if you if you yourself are like the simulacra and then you're commenting on what his his tiktok yeah, was the basically com- the um commentary is oh, oh like you know what i mean it's like what i or like what i thought was cool isn't cool anymore it's mainstream do you get what uh, i mean uh, like it's- yeah so he was basically complaining about how all of his favorite artists and niche things uh niche directors are being conceptually exploited by having by Mark Jacobs and they're really leaning into this Asian aestheticism. The accusation of Orientalism was thrown mm-hmm. out as well. And ultimately he was mad that uh everything was going back up to Mark mm-hmm. himself <laughs> <laughs> in like this corporate uh um the profit profiteering and uh, actual Asian artists weren't getting platform, but I I don't even think that's true. I mean, I feel like Heaven has done a really good job at platforming smaller artists, like Claire Barrow, yeah, a bunch of other small people that are getting this like this like mega platform for their niche, whatever. But yeah, I mean, amidst all of this, our point still stood very very clear. Mm-hmm. He had deeply tethered consumption with his identity he deeply consum- uh, tethered um his points of reference with who he at who, who he is as a person and their subversiveness and mm-hmm. their uh you know nicheness and so when a brand like heaven went ahead and did that it threatened his sel- his sense of identity because it was still rooted in consumption and association at the end of the day mm-hmm. yeah and it sucks when like I, I don't know. It sucks when uh, people, things that probably are, like, super meaningful to people, like, maybe, you know, I grew up watching One Car Wise movies. This really sucks. That that actually, that sucks when something personal becomes part of this, you know, machine. But I do think that 
if you're going to criticize um, what they're doing, it should be from like the lens of consumption and like this greater thing that's that's operating in the background and less from like uh, I do think just replacing you know Mark Jacobs yeah. with. Like okay, put 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 do you like do a. Do I mean? It's kind of like. Uh, yeah, put it put a a queer Asian insert, um, protected minority class at the helm of the thing, still doesn't make it any less. Um, I mean, the essence of like you know. Consumption being the driving force doesn't change, and I feel like. While it would be marginally better, yeah, than like a. Multi-billion-dollar or multi-million-dollar kind of fashion conglomerate reaping the benefits it's like doesn't doesn't get at the root of yeah so we're not saying we have all the answers we just hope this kind of gives people food for thought as it does for us as well i mean constantly i have to take pause and think about my consumption and my personal mm. to the whole the whole weight of it all so yeah yeah for sure this is um this is a s this has been a series of observations critiques but we don't have all the answers and we are at the end of the day just a Hajj and a dia trying our best to um live life make sense of it all yeah make sense of it all yeah but I hope we can all think critically about consumption at the very least next time we get the impulse to consume en masse, you know, mm. to kind of reflect on where this is coming from. Is it coming from a place of insecurity and, you know, deficiency or is this like, yeah, is this going to make me feel whole? Is this is this uh, am I leaning on this and to fill a void of? Uh, expression or is this um yeah don't don't become too like you know neurotic about it though <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> i don't think people should do this like self-doubt thing but hopefully like a yeah. psychedelic trip can s- open ego death in yourself exactly yeah. exactly uh, let's uh, dbn does dbn does uh ayahuasca <laughs> <laughs> And then we'll really Coming come back soon. with all the answers <laughs> for you guys. You just wait. Just wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And, uh, and merch uh, soon. merch coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> that, was not, that was not planned or anything. We just are on the same page all the time. I know. Look at us, Twizzy. Twizzy for life. Twizzy for L. Twizzy merch dropping soon. This consu- this type of consumption you should. <laughs> yeah, this type of consumption. It's the ethical kind. It. Yeah, don't question, don't question it. it. Actually, you don't have to even question it. <laughs> oh, oh, good one. <laughs> that was a good one. All right, we'll be back hopefully soon to go in harder, and harder and harder and harder and harder. Furthermore, and if it may, and then so it shall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank bye you for guys. listening. Peace. I love.